What's happening, Far Far Away family? Welcome to Star Wars Audio Archive. So how's everyone doing on this 4th of July? Yep, it's another 4th that we celebrate in this world. Well, more in the United States than the rest of the world. That's because it's our Independence Day, the birth of the United States. But I like to think of it more of an extension of May the 4th, Star Wars official holiday. Because we celebrate the birth of Star Wars on that day, and since Star Wars is the peanut butter and jelly of my galaxy, it just seems to fit together. And what better way to celebrate than to give away some stuff? So we will be giving away a couple $500 gift cards to Amazon at the end of this episode. If you have ever sent us an email or a partner of this show, you will be automatically entered into this giveaway. So you don't have to do anything. Just be patient and listen to the show to see if you are the winner. That's why I encourage everyone to email us and tell us what you think of the show. Good or bad, it doesn't matter because you never know when we might do a surprise giveaway just like the one today. Okay, I know this is all super exciting, but we have some stuff to discuss and a book and a quote of the week to get to before we get to that giveaway. So let's start with some news. And the first thing that I want to cover is this absurd $5,000 drink called the Kyber Crystal. Yes, you heard that right. The galaxy just got a little boozier thanks to a cocktail that is only available on board the Disney Wish cruise ship. Earlier this week, Ashley Carter shared a video of a $5,000 Star Wars themed cocktail that will be served at the lounge on the Disney Wish cruise line. While the ingredients of the cocktail are expensive, they do not closely equal $5,000 price tag. It is said that you get a bunch of other stuff with it. You also get the container that it is mixed in that has bright lights, smoke, and is drawer inspired. It still doesn't seem to be worth $5,000 to me. It just seems that Disney thinks that the majority of the world is rich because this is the most expensive drink in the galaxy. Now, the second thing that I wanted to talk about was Taika Waititi still doesn't know if his Star Wars movie will even be made. During an interview with the New York Times, Taika said, I am trying to write my Star Wars idea at the moment. I got to see how that goes, because once I submit it, that might determine when it gets made or even if it does get made. Now, this movie is slotted to come out in 2023, which from my experience is impossible. There's no way that they can fill this entire movie in a year. You have the footage that needs to be recorded, sound design, as well as special effects, then all of the editing, and that's not including casting and scouting for places that you can shoot at, plus practical effects and set design. There's no way that they're going to get this project done in that short amount of time. And then you got to remember what he said earlier in the interview. I am trying to finish writing the movie. He has not even finished writing it yet. So I don't think that we're getting a movie in 2023, at least not this movie. Maybe Lucasfilms is working on another project that we don't know about for the big screen, but I doubt it will be Taika's movie. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, let's get back to Star Wars Brotherhood. Because when we left off last week, Obi-Wan had some concerns about Anakin and Padme's relationship. But because of what had happened on Kato Nymordia, he didn't have time to address the situation. So let's see what's happening now. But first, we gotta drop that intro. <laughs> We would be honored if you would join us. Anakin Skywalker. Anakin had seen this before. In fact, so many times. The backdrop was always different. In some cases, under the overwhelming harsh suns of Tatooine skies, and in other cases, in the deep vacuum of space. The experience, though, that always remained true. Speed, lights, obstacles, turns and G-forces. Whether in a pod racer, in a Jedi starfighter, or zipping between buildings on a speeder. Or here, 
where a few Republic credits to a group known only as the Family gained access to speeder racetracks through abandoned sectors of Coruscant's underworld. Now nothing but industrial fossils, structures, and piping and lights that blinked for decades and would probably blink long after the war ended. Paying to use a family track during a non-race night was something Anakin dreamed about ever since hearing rumors of their existence. And though somewhere out in the stretches of space, clone battalions fought battle droids and emergency medical personnel tried to save lives on Cato Neimoidia, for one night, Anakin shut it all out to be with his wife. His wife. Such a thought. Such a definition still seemed unreal to him. Though it felt like another lifetime. Only recently, Padme had been a near stranger. Someone he'd catch glimpses of as she moved in and around Coruscant or on the holonet. He'd dreamed of her. Then he'd tried to push those dreams aside. And then Naboo happened. And Geonosis. And Tatooine. Now, married. They'd barely seen each other since that secret ceremony and the short few days stolen away together. The duties of a Jedi and a politician pulling them all over the galaxy, leaving their marriage mostly as a spiritual bond. They'd send encrypted transmissions whenever possible. Their conversations timed against the unpredictable formalities of war and duty. But even then, he felt like their relationship was a dream the most impossible and wonderful dream. Except she came back to him, or he came back to her. Not just hollows expressing how desperately they missed each other, but tangible feelings and real touches that made it all not a dream. And that amplified everything in him, making every moment even more precious all of the good and bad held tightly as if they were the only things that mattered, even in a time of war. Yet in this speeder, as they hurtled through the depths of Coruscant on a highly illegal and very dangerous makeshift course, this was supposed to be their first time together since he achieved the rank of Jedi Knight. Their chance meeting in the Jedi Temple caught him off guard. And it took all of his discipline to not throw his arms around her, to freeze the time and space around them so he could feel the weight of her body against his. But tonight, though he'd claimed to take a walk to focus his thoughts, the truth was he and Padme had planned ahead for this. Not just a few evenings out together when their time overlapped on their capital planet, but in the lower levels where no one would care enough to notice them. A place where they pledged to not talk about politics or the war. Or Kedone Moidia. Though she'd agreed to this activity and paid for the speeder rental, it became clear as Anakin pushed the throttle forward into a near-vertical dive that she didn't live and breathe speed the same way he did. Even though she had some piloting experience herself, 
We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. I should have sent Dorme for this. She yelled over the whipping wind, her cowl blowing off her hair. Has she come out in any of her usual embellished stylings? The sheer velocity of the joyride would have ripped it all apart. But here she wore an unassuming outfit. Dark trousers and a muted green cowl that easily blended in with the surroundings. And it matched his own. A simple mechanics coat draped over his Jedi tunic to give the appearance of an everyday laborer and not a Jedi knight. Anakin hit the final turn, easing up on the throttle to make the back end drift. The angle of their glide providing momentum so that a quick burst of the speeder's booster fired them just through the narrow space. I'm taking it easy, he said with a laugh. A final drop over the ledge that earned a screen-turned laugh from Padme before slamming the vertical boosters, cushioning their descent like a floating cloud made of metal and wire and alloys. Like his arm. Anakin pushed the thought aside, then reached into the force with his senses, like sonar through the ether, to identify where the path narrowed and twisted, even where previous racers lost control and crashed. He hit the brakes to drift into a twist, a series of controlled flips and dives before finally breaking past the uncontested finish line. The speeder stopped, both Anakin and Padme lurching forward before slamming back into the seats. Woo! He said, before looking at his wife. This was Padme Amidala who stared down certain death on Geonosis and charged forward with a blaster to reclaim her planet from Newt Gunray. Yet here was breathing heavily with wide eyes and a hand across her chest. I'm so sorry, Anakin started. Are you okay? Was that too much? Was I... Sudden laughter echoed out into the industrial bones around them. <laughs> Anakin! She said, her voice broken up by the laughter before she playfully smacked him across the shoulder. That was exhilarating. And I never want to do it again. He joined her in laughter, then leaned over, bringing them face to face. She reached out and took his hand, his mechanical hand, the same way she'd held it during their wedding ceremony. Her eyes broke looking down at the interlace between her fingers and his black glove. The pressure of her hold translated from electric synapses into the nerve endings on the remaining stump of his organic arm. Not too long ago, a mere look from her would make the hairs on that arm stand on end. Now such a thing was impossible. He squeezed her hand back. The microsecond of difference in sensation between his natural movement and this mechanical replacement still throwing him off. Different from combat or illegal racing, where pure instinct and the enhanced sensory intake of the force tried to compensate. But here, in a quiet moment with his wife, 
At the start of a marriage as sudden as the replacement of his arm, a microsecond felt like hours. This doesn't bother me, Padme said, placing her other hand over his glove. It never will. I know. It's just not something I'm totally used to yet. It's part of you. Besides, she offered a smaller, more intimate laugh than seconds earlier. You drove the speeder just fine. She leaned forward, pressing her lips against his. Sensations he burned for during all those hours on cruisers and shuttles, when the hum of a lightsaber and the chatter of clone commanders stole his attention. He leaned into her, their hands releasing to roam elsewhere, leaving them in a timeless space where only they existed. Until the mechanized voice of a droid interrupted. The family appreciates your business, said BS-1119, the bouncer droid that looked a lot like a reconfigured HK assassin unit. Anakin looked up to see it approaching. Twin pistols hanging from holsters bolted onto its mechanical hips, and a single pointing finger indicating that they should leave. Despite its threatening demeanor, the droid came off as overtly polite. Probably a quirk of a program balancing security and business needs. You are welcome to schedule another practice ride through one of the family's industrial courses. In addition, bets are open for upcoming races. From beyond, floating law enforcement droids scanned, and BS-1119 flipped a switch on a nearby control panel on a nondescript wall. This track is closed. Please pilot your vehicle elsewhere. You must leave now. It'd probably be in bad taste for a senator and Jedi to be caught down here, Anakin said. Padme grinned and sat back in her seat. Let's grab something to eat instead of getting arrested. Okay, so this part starts off with Anakin and Padme going on a date. Well, actually, it starts off with Anakin's obsession with speed, but that's beside the point. It really starts off with their date. Their entire galaxy is at war, but they decide to take a night off to go on a date. And they decide to go to the lower levels of Coruscant. Or at least that's how the author describes it. I don't know why they don't just call it what it is. The ghetto part of Coruscant. But I guess down there, they wouldn't be noticed by anyone. I'm guessing these people are so poor that they don't even have the holiday or a Star Wars type of TV that they would see Padme on, which is hard for me to believe. The most advanced planet in the galaxy and people in the projects don't have a TV. But anyway, Anakin is still amazed by their marriage, something that had happened months ago, but they have had no time together since. Well, what did they think was going to happen? She's a senator and he's a Jedi. A Jedi that ain't supposed to get married in the first place. Did they think it was going to be puppy dogs and white picket fences? I'm just saying that they knew what they were in for, so I don't see why he is surprised. It is what it is. But Padme rents a speeder for the date they're on, and this prompts Anakin to try out one of the underworld racetracks, which they have rented for a practice run. And I'm guessing Padme had to pay for that as well. You know, Jedi's don't have no money. Which for somebody that is not trying to draw attention to themselves, speeding through the underworld is probably not the best plan. Anakin is using the force to maneuver through the track, twisting and turning through obstacles that some people have died on. Padme really didn't seem that disturbed by it. As you can see, by the end of it, she is laughing hysterically. But at the same time, she tells him to never do that again. At this point, they get all kissy, mushy, lovey-dovey. And Padme grabs Anakin's mechanical hand. Anakin is a little bit hesitant about her touching it. 
She says it doesn't bother her, but as you can see, it still bothers him. And before their affections can get too far, a droid interrupts the moment. Then they see some law enforcement droids and know that it is time to leave. Now let's listen to the rest of this part and find out what happens next. Husband and wife. What a strange thought. Despite their marriage, their lives had prevented them from living as such. But with Padme handling things like the situation with Heeb Minor and Anakin bouncing around the galaxy performing as a mix of warrior, guard, medic, and delivery person, married couples did things like take walks, go shopping, have dinner, not fight a war or negotiate peace and then collide for several hours because their schedules allowed for it. A sudden frustration burned within Anakin, lashing at the galaxy for keeping them apart. But even their joyride a few moments ago acted as a reminder. His body, his mind, his heart were committed to a life of adventure, as much as a life with her. Perhaps if Qui-Gon had never found him on Tatooine, he would be on the pod racer circuit now, or have found a life with some other dangerous recreation. Would his mother still be there in that life? But that question led to a dark path of further questions. He buried it deep, locking that night away and reminding himself that he was here with Padme, in a strange life that intermixed combat and justice with quiet moments as husband and wife. He just wished he could pick and choose when each occurred. I don't think you need a disguise, Padme said her weight leaning into him as they walked forward into the marketplace. Without your Padawan braid, no one's going to recognize you. Ah, oh, it always got in the way. I don't miss it. Did I tell you when a stray blaster bolt singed it? That moment from earlier today at the Jedi Temple, when she'd reached up and touched the spot where it had once hung behind his ear? They'd seen each other over hollow recently, but that unexpected moment was like the Force challenging them to put on their best fronts. Anakin caught her scanning around before making the move. Then the tilted smile that sneaked through, a private acknowledgement that they were pushing the boundaries of their existence in the place with the highest of risks. It made him burn for her even more. I'm actually going to miss your short hair, she said, reaching over to run her hand through a hair that had started to grow past the standard Padawan trim. It was always so nice and neat. Maybe I'll just grow it out to annoy you. Have you seen how Obi-Wan's hair flows in the back? He asked. No, please, anything but that, she said, prompting both of them to break into laughter. He'd heard that the Underworld's residents were too mired in their own circumstances to be aware of the greater conflicts of the galaxy, and right now, he understood it. With the layers of structures too dense to reveal the sun, life felt encapsulated in a bubble here. In some cases, that might be claustrophobic. But right now, it meant nothing could touch their existence. Not war, not politics, not the rules of the Jedi. They could just be. Because this was as close to those moments by the lake on Naboo as they were going to get for now. They walked amid the glowing neon, a mix of signage and cheap functional illumination. Silence suddenly as natural as breathing. 
They soaked in the easy joys of just existing next to each other. Without guards or hollows or fear that something would pull one of them away. They made it to their destination. A large arching sign proclaiming Amandasi Market. A place that even the more cultured among Coruscant surface dwellers would brave for a more authentic culinary experience. Rows of stalls and a few deactivated transport speeders stood, each offering a different level of messy but authentic delicacies from all over the galaxy. Yet even in this context, where they had the space to simply be and enjoy each other's company, he saw that she still observed. It came in the smallest of personal ticks, the way her inhale quickened, the way her eyebrow rose, the way her head turned to change her angle ever so slightly. He saw the marketplace, a confluence of individual culture and industrial underbelly. But he knew her mind. While she saw all that as well, Padme framed everything within the specific circumstances of who she was. Not just the cook of the grill, but how a child was at his feet. Not just the artist selling wares, but how the size of her bag showed that she didn't have a permanent home. Not just the masseuse working on a client on a chair, but how the masseuse had supported the broken chair with additional spare parts instead of simply purchasing a new one. These details escaped Anakin, at least until he tried to process things the way his wife did. The Jedi were selfless, giving themselves to an order committed to intergalactic peace. But Padme was selfless in a much different way, an empathy that drilled down to the well-being of whoever she encountered, something tempered with a drive to constructively find a way to fix it. Passion tempered by calculated action, the opposite of Anakin's own sun dragon heart. They paused. Padme pulling back her cowl and kneeling down to smell the flowers sticking out of a small vendor cart. And even then, he knew she considered the vendor's situation. From the creakiness of the old droid watering the bouquets, to the flower stand that had been clearly rewelded so many times it sagged. Perhaps that was why they were meant for each other. Anakin acted like a fiery burst against injustice while Padme brought a relentlessness to any situation, a constant search for a solution, even in the most dire of circumstances. Passion and purpose locked together forever in a delicate balance. What do you think? Padme asked, putting a purple flower with glowing teal crystals over her ear. I thought we were staying inconspicuous. You, she said, tucking a matching flower into the breast pocket of his coat, are not a Jedi Knight, and I am not a Senator. We're just a married couple having dinner. She gestured around, and he noticed that several other couples had donned matching flowers as well. Of course she would scout this out first. Yeah, he said, locking elbows with her. Just like any other married couple. She rested her head on his shoulder, the glow of her flower tinting her face. Passion and purpose indeed. Come on, she said, pulling away and taking his hand. There's something I want to show you. 
Okay, so Padme's and Anakin's marriage is really what this entire chapter is about. How they don't get to spend enough time together and how they can't stop being who they are. She is just a person who cares about others in the universe and him wanting to help fix the galaxy. Because of this, their marriage will always suffer. And that's really all it's about. He does give her his Padawan braid as a gift, which is a little bit romantic. And I definitely like when he was teasing her about growing out his hair like Obi-Wan. We all remember the mullet-looking hair Obi-Wan had during the Clone Wars. Now that was funny. It really wasn't a bad chapter, but other than testing the racetrack and the speeder, there was no real action. And y'all know how much I love some action. It explained about their situation and how it affects their marriage. But that was about it. But let's get to the quote of this week. And it comes to us from Andre Guy. He said, a person cannot discover a new ocean unless they have the courage to lose sight of the shore. Basically, if you want to be more than you are today, you must forget about who you are right now and find the courage to discover who you want to be. We often get comfortable where we are at and stop pushing to become better. We stop wanting more and just start becoming stagnant, stuck in the place of convenience, just living one sad day at a time. We are not happy where we are at. We are just living, all because we are scared to make a change. We fear the unknown, but if you want your dreams to come true, you must step outside of your comfort zone. If you want happiness, true happiness, you will have to step outside of the box to get it. Every successful person I have ever met took risks, a lot of risks. Sometimes they failed, but it only took that one time to succeed, to change their lives forever. But they had to travel into the unknown in order to find that success and their happiness. Okay, enough of all that. Let's get to the giveaway. We are giving away two $500 gift cards that is good for anything on Amazon. This is our way of saying thank you for all the support over the years. And one of the gift cards is going to Eleanor Brock. And the second one is going to Ronnie Porter. Congratulations to you both. We will email you with the details on how to get your cards. And I think that's all we have for today. Join us next week for more Sway. Hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.